you're listening to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast, discussing the future of employee wellbeing. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to this edition of the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. Our regulars will know that I'm Ian Hogg, Chairman of FastPay, the Ethical Salary Advance app, and that each week we cover a different aspect of employee wellbeing. We've covered several technology companies that are focused on wellbeing, and today I want to talk more about the on-demand pay space, and in particular, how the sector is evolving to improve its approach to wellbeing. On-demand pay is the sector of fintech that FastPay operates in, so it is something I'm well-versed on. Today, I'm joined by two colleagues of mine from FastPay, Ben Smith, who is our head of product and who has driven the development of FastPay since its inception two years ago, and Jake Bates, who is an employee wellbeing specialist who helps educate customers about FastPay. Hi, Ben. Hi, Jake. Hi, Ian. Hi, listen, guys, why don't you um, just introduce yourself and uh, what you do at FastPay? Yeah, so um, um, I'm Jake and I'm one of the workplace wellbeing specialists here at FastPay. I joined the business last year and I think what attracted me to this was kind of the huge shift that we're seeing in behaviour in terms of how we spend and kind of the focus on wellbeing. Um, so a lot of my role is centred around kind of educating employers and working with them. Thank you. Hi, and ben? I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Ben Smith, the, the head of product at ShopWorks and FastPay. Uh, I've been part of the organisation for a few years now. Uh, I originally started working on the workforce management platform uh, before transitioning over to our on-demand pay app uh, based on numerous feedback from our customers. Okay, thanks. And Ben, why don't, we, why don't we start by giving our listeners an overview of what on-demand pay is? What, what does an app do and what are the various business models that exist? So on-demand pay is referring to employees gaining access to money they have already earned. So it's it's based on rules identified by their employer. Uh, Ultimately, it's about providing more financial autonomy to their employees uh, and about allowing them to manage their finances better. So the the core offering is predominantly driven by access to a TNA system so that the employer can be confident that you're providing an employee with access to money they've already earned. And the key things to to kind of go through is there's two main models for employers to adopt when considering on-demand pay. The most common offering involves the on-demand pay company loaning the money to the employer, and then the employer then pays that loan back every month. Okay, so that's that sounds like it's similar to sort of invoice factoring, i.e. you're, you're loaning money against money you know is coming in from the employer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, along the same lines. Um, and the, the main alternative model involves the on-demand pay company just providing the technology to facilitate the salary advance. The advance is then funded by the employer themselves, uh, which is how we operate at FastPay. Okay, so so that to me sounds like the employer puts some money in a bank account and then the technology provider like FastPay facilitates taking the money out of the, account, out of the employer's account and into the employee's account when the sort of conditions are met. Is that a good description? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Spot on. It's, it's all about the facilitation rather than funding it themselves. Okay. And and what about for the employees? What does the model look like for them? Uh, so in terms of the employee offering, there's a few things worth considering. Uh, the key concepts to get your head around are the amount you want to make available for employees, when you want to make it available for employees, and how often it can be used. Uh, and it's also worth considering the bigger picture. So do they have any additional tools that can be provided as part of that application? Uh, so commonly you'll find things like financial education articles that are included. 
Okay, and um, so for the employees, do they do they normally pay for this, or is it you know how does that work? So there's usually two different ways in which it can be handled. So there's a either a transaction fee that the employee will pick up, or a transaction fee that the employer will pick up. Uh, it all just really depends on how they want to operate. Generally, you'll find in a space that you don't really want to charge anyone from an employee side who's on the national minimum wage, uh, because you'll find that they fall below that threshold, uh, and nobody wants to put anyone in that predicament. Okay, fine. And and just for clarity for the listeners, what's um, Fastpay's approach to this? Is it are they charging the employer or the employee? Uh, we charge the employer for the transaction, so there's no charge for employees. Okay, cool. Fine. Thank, thanks, Ben. I think that's a good sort of overview of um, of, of what an on-demand pay app is. Um, Jake, you know, you on your website you mentioned that employer control is the most important aspect of an ethical payday app. Can you talk me through what employer control is and, and why you think it's that important? Yeah, great question. And I think the kind of the big issue employers currently face is if an employee is short at the moment and they need some money to help tide them over, they'll either use costly credit or they'll go to a payday loan. Um, they'll borrow, say, £200. They might pay back 150 The £50 will roll over to the next month and then we're getting into this snowball effect Um which is what we know is a debt cycle. At the moment, employers have no control, no visibility over those people who may be kind of struggling. So with a system like Fastpay, we help give back some of that visibility and allow the employer to regain control over how much, how many times a service can be used, but actually start helping potentially vulnerable employees. I think what's kind of great about Fastpay is it's completely configurable to each individual needs. So we see some clients who like to offer it as a fixed amount each month, whereby if an employee's short, they can access a portion of their wage early. Um, and by keeping the amount low and fixed, this is what helps avoid the debt cycles that the credit providers actually create. Um, additionally, we kind of see other providers who use it as ad hoc payments. Some people use it for overtime shifts, but ultimately it's kind of up to the employer. Um, one of our key distinguishing differences to other models on the market is we have what we call an opt-in model, which gives the employee the choice of opting in or out. Um, we heard on a earlier podcast from Darren, who had tried out another company, who said they would fully manage the service on behalf of the employer, but then later found out that the employees had been offered car loans. And for me, this is just completely defeats the object of a well-being strategy, and it essentially dilutes the whole social responsibility element we have no alternative incentives as ben said it's free for employees our main goal is to give the employer the control and manage all of their own messaging and play an active role rather than these i would call these so-called plug-in and leave options okay and just just want to explore some of that so on when you talk about employees visibility what you're saying there is if somebody goes and gets a payday loan they're not going to have told their boss, you know, so the employer has no idea this person's got a debt problem. And if you if they use a system like this, presumably the employer can see how often somebody uses it and that's where they get the visibility. Is that is that is that correct? Yeah, I think the problem at the moment is employees, it's something that happens in silence. They don't want to talk to their employer. And 
from a system like this, we can set it up as a signposting or a flagging system, whereby if someone is relying on the system and they are a frequent user, actually we can flag that up to the employer to actually then maybe pull that person to one side and start helping them or delivering some more financial wellbeing, whatever it happens to be. But it's just starting to open the door and give them in some insight that they haven't already got at the moment. Okay, no, good, good answer. Thank you. And then when you took about that example, it was Darren Laberton, I think, uh, on an earlier po- version of this podcast, he said that, you know, um, one of these services had been offering the car loans. So you're telling me that Fastpay would never email the employee direct and sort of encourage them to use the service more? No. Um, and it sounds a bit crazy. In an ideal world, we don't want, yeah, it's all about the employer controlling that messaging as well. Okay. And then just the other thing I want to explore, Jake, is you said that financial well-being, that this is, a, you know, this is an advance of pay can improve financial well-being. You know, how exactly does just giving somebody £100, you know, a week before payday improve their financial well-being? Yeah, I think we've reached a point in the workplace where everything that used to be extremely prescriptive has either changed or it's currently in debate. Whether it's referencing the ability to have flexible hours, allowing employees to swap and manage their own shifts, and even this flexibility now to kind of work from home um, or even other countries. But up until the last few years, there's been no, I suppose, real review of how and when we get paid and what impact that can have on employee wellbeing. Um, Let's not kind of sugarcoat the year we've just had. Everyone has been affected in some way. And we know that kind of for employers, helping their employees is a huge priority at the moment. Um, what a lot of people don't realise, I think, is financial stress is forming the biggest contributor to mental health issues at the moment. There was a recent survey I read that um, 86% of workers um, contribute financial stresses to mental health. And I think the reason, in my opinion, I, it's because it's simply uncomfortable to talk about. Now, we have a great culture here at Fastpay. It's transparent, but no offence, Ian. Unfortunately, you're the last person I want to talk about my money worries with, um, or even worse, ask for an advance. Uh, but I know as an employer, you want to be able to help. So trying to, by giving some flexibility over the way they're paid, it's helping them manage kind of unexpected bills that may be popping up. I've spoken to people who would I would say we have a kind of a, a very healthy salary, but their partners have now lost their jobs as a result of COVID. And now they have bills that need covering. So adding in this flexibility over their pay is kind of hugely increasing their financial um, well-being as well. And we're seeing kind of a massive trend towards this. And there was a recent another recent stat where 76% of millennials who are looking at new roles particularly kind of depend that on their well-being culture and the kind of the approach they have to flexible pay so we are seeing that appetite from kind of new employees looking for new roles as well yeah no i, I get it and i and i think you know that we obviously have fast pay in the office and we get a you know we get um some usage of it for when people need it and um i suppose what you're saying is the employer on the whole as the employees will be in at heart and he's a much safer person to lend to the employee um, for you know short period, whereas um, you know going elsewhere is just high risk, and that's what we're trying to avoid here. Uh, okay. Yeah, thanks. and ultimately the employer's not lending. Yeah. No, no, good point. No, you go go, go ahead there. You're right. It is not a loan, is it? 
No, ultimately, they're not lending the money. Um, and this is the kind of the key distinguishing factor. They're not paying interest. Um, it's plea for, uh, free for the employee. And ultimately, it's just the employer about giving them the tools to actually start helping the employee. Um, so there is a key difference there. And that's, I think that's where fast pay are different within the market. Okay. But okay, so let's go back to Ben then. So we've talked about how you know, giving an advance can improve um, well-being. But what's to stop it just becoming sort of a, um, you're just moving the problem forward, Ben. So if you give somebody £100 a week before payday, um, they need £100 a week before next payday and it becomes a recurring thing. It's like getting stuck in an overdraft. Um, what, what's to what's to prevent, prevent you being part of the problem, Ben? Um, so, you know, we hear this a lot when we're, when we're talking to employers, um, when we first initially have a conversation with them. And often people get stuck in the logic of an advance, which makes sense initially, but actually there's a broader conversation change. And that that's just that it's an evolution of how people are paid. And the bigger conversation is about supporting a wider well-being strategy. So as Jake mentioned, uh, some of the others are plugging a leaves uh, solution, which is just not what it is. It's about encouraging employers to use this actively as a tool to to signpost, flag and, and help employees that are struggling. And what's fundamental to understand about the concept in general is it's not just a salary advance, but also the salary advance will not solve the financial debt by itself. It's merely part of an overarching strategy that must be deployed by employers. Okay, fine. I mean, it, it, I hear that a lot, sort of overarching strategy. Can you give some sort of detail on that? You know, so what, what examples would can an employer do to sort of um, you, to build on this salary advance to make sure that the, you, we aren't just bringing the problem forward? So on-demand pay solutions can provide a gateway to other useful and important services. So useful services such as financial education, so accessing articles and other content are on topics that are not easily accessible or are not in the forefront of people's mind. When, it, when you talk about trying to interact or engage with employees, there's no better way than managing how people get paid because people will always go and utilize that service in some way, shape or form. So it's a really good uh, portal into employee engagement. Um, they can provide opportunities to work with charities to identify potential referrals for employees at risk, or even just enabling employees to intervene for repeat usage from those that are potentially at risk. Uh, it also starts to enable income generating opportunities, so from introducing things like access to state benefit assessments to see if there's potential income that is left on a table for those that could use it. Uh, and there's also things like incentivized shifts for um, yeah, additional shifts that are, are picked up outside of regular hours. And they can just be paid sooner to help those that need it when they need it. OK, fine. Listen, that, that is quite a lot in there. Let's just see if we can unpack some of that, uh, Ben. So let's start with the sort of referral to charity. So um, how, would the, you know, how would that work in practice? Yeah, so generally the principles are usually based on repeat or reoccurring usage because the whole point of the service is about support. It's not about it becoming a mechanism that's used all the time. It's meant to be there as a, a safety mechanism, a backup if somebody does need access to it. It just gives you that flexibility. Um, but for those that are repeat usage, it's about generating reports and identifying that to HR teams so that they can look to identify who needs help and see what help they may need. Uh, and the products themselves can actually um, 
provide prompts and messages that allow you to contact people that will specifically be able to help. So we often utilize a money advice service uh, and also things outside of it of debt charities that are, that are really useful and can have a direct conversation with you um, rather than it just being all on the employer to handle. So so if if I use it, you know, the first opportunity I'm allowed three times as an employee, I use it three times on, on the trot or four to, you know, every month on the first day, will you pop up something that refers refers me to a debt charity? Is it, is it as simple as that? Yeah, that's, that's definitely one mechanism. So uh, we call that re- repeat usage, and it's just to help um, communicate with the employee directly so they have an opportunity. Um, and there's also other ways in which employers can engage. So when we first talk about this, employers get a little bit worried or skeptical that, you know, are they going to think I'm monitoring them or tracking them? So as part of the initial rollout, we make sure that they have those conversations as a wider HR policy to say, look, we're rolling out this service. We really want to invest and we, we actually care about you. It's not about monitoring or tracking that you're using it. It's about if you do need help, it allows us to have that conversation. Excellent. Okay. Now I get it. And then you, you talked about um, benefits. Um, so are we talking about things like, you know, child benefit and universal credit? Yeah, how does that work? Yeah, in, you know, in, talk me through the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really good opportunity um, to provide access to some of these assessments. But the way in which it works is you can have a few um, questions that are asked to begin with. So you can provide an estimate. So usually four or five questions and you can immediately uh, see if there's opportunities for people to have access to state benefits. And then if there is a potential estimate there that would add value, it's about filling out a, a questionnaire that takes you know between two to five minutes. Uh, and the things it covers, it covers a broad variety of, of benefits, uh, universal credit, pension credit, child benefits, housing benefits, and actually even includes things like help to save, uh, which often ends up surprising how many people can claim it. Uh, we were having a conversation with one of our existing ShopWorks Leisure clients recently, and uh, when we showed her that the calculation and actually helped to save was an opportunity she she could use herself, um, yeah, the reaction was priceless. So it, it's it's been a really useful tool. Okay, now listen, I think that that sounds interesting. So you know what 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 uh, Jake was saying earlier is that you know you actually don't want people to necessarily use the the drawdown facility. This is an opportunity where they they might, instead of taking a £100 advance, they find they're, they're due some money and they take that instead. Um, so, you know, it sounds, it sounds like you know, that's, that's addressing the problem. And then the final point you mentioned was the opportunity to um, earn more money um, by doing extra shifts. Just talk me through the, the details of that a bit so the listeners have got a better understanding. Yeah, so the, the easiest way, I guess, to think about it is almost identifying it as different pots, So one of the key things that's important is keeping a very strict amount that's available out of basic wages, because, again, it's all about trying to be as ethical as possible and making sure you've got your employees' best interest um, on a regular basis. But what it can also allow you to do is to gain some um, changes from an operational perspective. So, again, if you think about pots, you have one pot at your regular amount, you know, 100 to 200 pounds that's accessible should you need it. But then you can also have a secondary pot, which is all about uh, additional shifts. So if you see that somebody is regularly uh, withdrawing, excuse me, withdrawing from their their pot and you want them to actually have a discussion with you and you realize actually they could potentially pick up additional shifts, you can utilize your existing TNA systems to 
um, provide fast pace shift or, or faster pace shifts is what we like to call them. But ideally, it's just about adding additional wages available to the employees that they can access a lot faster and still regulating how much they have available as part of the normal part. No, I, I get it. So basically, I need a little bit of money at the end of the month. Why don't you earn a little bit of extra rather than just rely on your basic? No, I think that's, that's a good, good concept. Okay. And then, yeah, how how established is this this market? You know, uh, if uh, if I'm listening and I don't have a, an on-demand pay app, am I the odd one out? No, definitely, definitely not the odd one out. Uh, we're definitely in the early stages. Um, we have quite a few customers that probably consider themselves as somewhat early adopters. Um, you know, it's, it's those really that are trying to push out and really build employee well-being strategies or have already started them and they're looking to evolve them uh, and increase what they offer to their employees. Uh, regulators are still trying to understand and define the category. So we're starting to see more and more reports. So EY have recently conducted a report that's really, really good and worth reading. Uh, and even the likes of, of Gartner are starting to talk about employee wellness being fundamental for the next you know, five years. So it's still early days, but we're definitely starting to see an increase in, in traffic in this area. Okay, thank you. And Jake, let's, let's come back to you. So you're your workplace wellbeing specialist, which which I take to mean a you know a is another role way of saying salesperson. You're you're speaking to customers. <laughs> um, what what percentage of um, what what sort of um, uptake are you finding? Are they they open to this or or are, are people skeptical? Yeah, I never thought I'd be getting an objection off my own own chairman, but <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, I think look, everyone I speak to. It has well been on the agenda in some shape or form. Um, the EY report Ben mentioned um, is a great report. And there's also a Reva report that I recommend um, people go and watch um, and have a look at. But I think the, the well-being is either splitting up into people are focusing on physical and mental health. Some are focusing on financial well-being. We obviously appeal to the financial element. Um, we're seeing that our offering obviously it's more of a piece of the puzzle. Uh, I mentioned previously, part of my role is around actually helping the employees to actually kind of roadmap and align a strategy to the wider business objectives. What's clear is this is a behavioral shift and it's definitely kind of a growing trend and something I think everybody can be kind of involved with in some shape or form. Um, and it's definitely something which we are seeing, hopefully, an, a push towards for employers and employee well-being is becoming such a high priority for all. No, I, yeah, I think we're definitely seeing that. And, and I'm picking that up from other podcast um, guests as well. Um, ben, what, what's next for Fastpay? But what we're looking for interesting companies and, and charities to partner with uh, because we're just trying to <laughs> keep improving our employee service offering uh, and ultimately yeah, increase support for employers who are looking to implement these strategies. Okay, fine. Well, listen, you know, that, I think that's been a really good sort of journey through the on-demand pay app. Uh, space and i think we've got to the bottom of some of the the key issues there and and thank you for explaining that before i let you go um there's one question i ask everybody that comes into this podcast and um and you guys aren't going to get away with without answering it so ben you can go first what book on media is giving you most inspiration at the moment um at the moment i would say media wise it's probably a mind the product uh, which is a product management resource full of advice guidance and support um, it's been pretty instrumental in our teams and, and product growth, uh, and it helps us continuously explore ideas, you know, on how to prioritize initiatives, how to keep, you know, core principles at the heart of decisions and, 
yeah, ultimately how to remain as ethical as possible when, when making product choices. So yeah, mind the product is, is doing it for me at the moment. Okay. And, um, and Jake, what about you? Um, of course, most of my inspiration comes from your podcast, Ian. Um, <laughs> but, correct but no, I think, um, any salesman out there, <laughs> any salesman out there, a great book, um, never split the difference by Christopher Voss. He's an American negotiator and it's an, for anyone really. It's a fantastic book. Yeah. I recommend going reading it. Okay. And, um, and we're, listeners can find you on LinkedIn, and uh, I actually will. I think we'll put your um, LinkedIn connections at the bottom of the the, the podcast notes. Um, listen, everyone, th- thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you heard and haven't done so already, please subscribe to our weekly podcast. So you never miss an episode. And um, thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. Thank you.